Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset when it comes to faith, family, fitness, and food. Let's go. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. On the show today, we have another special guest with us. He certainly has an I can do mentality. His name is Darren Simmons. Darren is a NFL coach. He is the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Simmons is now in his 17th season with the team and stands as the longest tenured coach on staff. Over his Bengals career, Simmons' work with the special teams units has helped rewrite the team's record book. Simmons entered the NFL in 1998 with the Baltimore Ravens, where he served as assistant special teams coach and assistant strength and conditioning coach. He then joined the Carolina Panthers, where he served in the same role from 1999 to 2002. Then he joined the Bengals in 2003. In this wide-ranging discussion, we talk about family, the importance of family and the importance of hard work handling pressure, routines, preparation, and leadership. I got to tell you, this was an absolute thrill to be able to spend some time with Coach, and I really appreciate him for taking time out of his busy schedule. I hope that you will also enjoy the show. Ready, set, hike. Here we go. Coach, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm looking forward to, to being able to talk and discuss some things. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited having you on the show, and I appreciate your time. I know we're on the uh, the game clock here. I'm sure you have a busy day, so we'll go ahead and get started here. I wanted to see if if you could take us back to Kansas. I know Kansas has a lot of significance for you. With uh, I believe you grew up there and played football at Dodge City Community College and then the University mm-hmm. of Kansas. How or what was it that really got you started with football and really your passion for the game? Well, I mean, really, it was, I was a multi-sport athlete in high school. I mean, that was I'm from a very small town in southwest Kansas called Elkhart. There's, uh, you know, give or take a little over 2000 people. Um, you know, that's that's I think it's kind of dwindling a little bit now, like a lot of those small towns are, I think, in southwest Kansas. But. You know, sports was the way that, that uh, that's what we did. You know, I grew up on a farm, uh, a wheat farm. Um, we, we, we farmed uh, uh, wheat, uh, had a little bit of corn and some milo. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my summers were spent helping my dad on the farm. Um, so, you know, during the school year, I mean, that's what we did. We, all, we played all sports, played football, basketball, ran track, played a little bit of baseball in the summertime, too. Um, you know, I, I come from a, a pretty athletic family. Um, you know, my, I had an uncle who was a coach in the NFL who played college football. My, you know, uh, all of my uh, uncles, my dad included, were all athletes. Um, we're all good high school players. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough after my high school uh, career was over to, to get a scholarship to play at Dodge City uh, Community College in Kansas. The uh, junior college uh, um, football system or conference in Kansas was a significant one at the time. It was, it was good. Um, and it was a way for maybe small town rural Kansas kids to, um, 
maybe bridge the gap if they're good enough to play, you know, to get up into whether, whether it's division one, division two, whatever it may have been football. Um, so that was a way from a very unique way. I got recruited to uh, um, a couple of division one schools, but, you know, I was used to um, playing and playing all the time, um, you know, and playing every sport and, and, and never really having to sit. And so that was a big deal for me, I think, to go play in junior college is I was going to have the ability to play or get the ability to play right away yeah. and not have to sit and learn and, and do a lot. I was going to be able to continue to play the whole way through. So, um, you know, I, football was the best bridge for me to be able to do that. I, um, you know, and it, uh, fortunately it was, I was good enough to be able to go on after Dodge city. I played, uh, I was a starting quarterback and a starting punter. Mm-hmm. Um, at Dodge City, and I was fortunate enough to be able to go on and play at the University of Kansas after that. Um, my decision to go to KU was uh, a big one for me um, because it, the, the biggest deal was it gave my parents the ability to come, st- see me, to come still see me play. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a brother who was also a, a college football player, also was a good high school player, and he eventually played at Pittsburgh State. Yeah. And us being both in state, um, you know, I don't think my parents ever missed any of our home games, you know, any of our home games. A lot of times because we both played on Saturday, you know, my dad would come to my my game. My mom would go to my brother's game. And then sometimes they would they would flip the next week if we both had home games. Mm-hmm. You know, that my dad would go to my brother's game. My mom would come to my game or whatever it may be. But mm-hmm. it was still going to give us the opportunity to, or my parents opportunity to come see us play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was a big deal. That was a big, big deal for us. Yeah, very nice. I know, you know, today, I, I know you have children and I have a son. You know, sports is obviously a very big thing. And I know a lot of people are missing sports, I guess, prior to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Obviously, everything was going on as normal. I know there's a lot of pressure at times, I think, for young people with maybe even like individualized sports. And you had mentioned you just kind of played a variety of, of sports just all throughout the year. Um, do you have any advice or, or thoughts with respect to young people or parents when it comes to, you know, just kind of when kids start off playing sports, should they kind of just do that fast track or do you think it's better for them to kind of have a broader approach? Well, I think it's, I think it's a big deal to have a broad approach. I, I think mm-hmm. the kids, kids, parents should push their kids to play as many sports as they can possibly play. Yeah. go on and not be so centralized you know I, i've seen it happen so many times um where i live here in mason mason is a suburb of cincinnati um there's so there's such pressure to um focus on one sport and you know to go to all these camps and all these showcase things um but that i really believe though that kids need to be as multifaceted as they can possibly be mm-hmm. you know um lacrosse is a sport that I never grew up around. It's, it's much bigger here in Ohio than it is maybe back home in Kansas or in the Midwest. Um, but it, it's, it's really become a big sport here mm. uh, in Ohio. And the, uh, I've got three kids. I've got a daughter who's a, who's a graduating senior. Um, I have a, a son who's a freshman, a son who's a fifth grader. Nice. And uh, it's, it's very unique. The uh, uh, lacrosse, the summer lacrosse team that my son plays for, um, it's it's a it's a good club it's a good organization and one of their they were just a recruiting seminar they had via zoom a couple of weeks ago and one of their big criteria was whenever you start to make profiles as a as a uh, an underclassman as you start to make you know 
uh, recruiting or scouting profiles is that you put clips of other sports that you play and you yeah. list all the other sports that you play that that was as big a deal as anything, not, not just seeing them play lacrosse, but really seeing your athleticism in other sports. Yeah. I would certainly um, push kids and parents to play as many sports as you can. Let your athleticism and, and your ability to do other things come through, not just the sport that you want to focus on, but mm-hmm. let your athleticism show in other things that you can do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I, I tried to play some sports in uh, high school. I played a little bit, but uh, – but but didn't get too far. Um, so it sounds like family had a big impact upon you with uh, your uncle and your father, and certainly just looking at your your track record and all the things you've been able to accomplish, which is uh, really phenomenal. I know there's a lot of I know you have a lot of discipline and and a good work ethic. Did that really begin uh, working on the farm, or is that just something that was just you know just a part of how your parents raised you? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I think it was really both. You know, I, I, I attribute a lot of that to being on the farm, the um, the demands that uh, our parents put on us, uh, me and my brother both, um, and, and really my family in general, what it means to work hard and, and to try to go a- accomplish something, um, you know, and how rewarding that is when you um, work hard and get something out of it. I, I think there's no better example that and what farmers you know do you know farmers work their tail off tilling the land plowing the land um they plant a crop and then really you're relying upon mother nature to help really raise that crop and give it enough moisture and enough water to 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 grow Mm -hmm. um and and then ultimately it could be destroyed also by weather too you know Mm -hmm. um by hail or, or storms that come through but, but in the end, though, how fulfilling it is, though, when you do have a, a good crop and, and, and how fulfilling that can be and, and how much that means. And I think the, the work ethic that they instilled in us a long time ago is really has helped attribute to whatever minimal amount of success I've had. I think that's been the backbone of it is, is you know, there's never going to be anybody that, that's going to do more or outwork me. Mm. Um, I always feel so fortunate to be in the position I'm in. And I, I know that uh, the one thing in the back of my mind all the time that I always go back to is, is there's a thousand other people who want to get where I'm at. And so I got to work harder than them. Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing special about me other than the fact that I'm going to outwork them to stay where I'm at. So it's like a little bit of a survival of the fittest, I guess. You know, I want to yeah. um, work harder than all the rest of those people to stay where I'm at. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I know uh, before we started the show, we were talking a little bit and you had mentioned uh, you wake up early. I started back in 2016. I went through a physical transformation and a buddy of mine actually wanted to start working out at five o'clock at the gym. I said, man, if I have to wake up at five or get to the gym by five, that means I got to wake up by four. So we ended up doing that for like a couple of weeks and then something happened with his job, but I kept doing it. So in 2016, it just, after about three weeks, I started feeling better. I felt just, I felt terrible for the first three weeks, but waking up around four o'clock back then, and I'm still doing it for the most part. It's not maybe every day, but it really did change my life where I like to describe it as living two days in one. I know you you mentioned you wake up early, a couple of thoughts or a couple of questions. Did that start with you on the farm? And what does your you know, what does your daily routine kind of look like now with you waking up early? 
Well, I don't think it's, I don't think it started necessarily when I was on the farm. Um, you know, as, as a young guy, you know, as you know, you try to sleep as, as much as you can. Um, no, I, I think uh, getting early probably started when I got to the NFL, actually. Okay. Um, the guy that I came up under, like my mentor, um, when I got to the NFL as, as a, a special teams coach, was, a, was an early, early morning guy, too. And I always wanted to try to do things to help please him or show him how committed I was to mm-hmm. doing the job and doing the job right that, that, you know, I get up and got there at the same time he did. I don't quite get up at four o'clock, but my, my alarm's set for four thirty. Okay. Um, and I usually get out of the, you know, I usually get out of here by, or I leave each morning about five fifteen, which gets me to the office probably a little bit before six. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. It's, it's amazing how much work you can get done you know, before everybody else is even out of bed. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I do completely believe that, that you can achieve so much more because you really are compacting two days into one from, re- from what the, you know, the rest of the working force really is. Mm-hmm. People is. And there's nothing wrong with it, but people have nine to five jobs. I mean, they, the day's half over by 9 a.m. to me, I feel like. Sometimes. I know, yeah. And, uh, it's just amazing, especially at the office or even since this uh, – quarantine and this pandemic has really come along. I still get up at the same time. I, you know, I don't even have to set an alarm. I still get up at the same time. And, uh, you know, I come in here and sit in my office, um, here at the house and do a lot of, uh, video work or, or tape work. If you want to call it that little game film work. And, and it's amazing how much more work I've got done, mm-hmm. um, this off season in comparison to most, cause I don't have to drive into, I don't have to drive into the stadium. I mean, it's, it's just all sitting right here in front of me. You know, and there are many days I get caught up and I get so into what I'm doing that, uh, you know, I, I forget, like, man, I've even gone outside. Today. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm here to do my work and I, I get so into it. The next thing you know, it's noon. I grab a quick bite to eat and I know I got something going. So I, it's a race to get back in here. And then, oh, man, the next thing you know, it's five o'clock and I haven't even got a workout in yet. And yeah. uh, um, so then I work out and then it's, uh, you know, next thing it's 630 and, and it's dinner time. and man, I've never even set foot outside. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it, it is, I think it's a, it's a big deal for me to continue with that same, you know, I'm, I'm a very routine person, routine oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, once I get in that routine, you know, anything that bucks me off that routine, man, shakes me up. So <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep the boat flowing down the stream. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. You had mentioned the NFL and one of your mentors, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. So if I remember correctly, uh, you graduated from the University of Kansas in 96. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then within, a, within two years, you're, uh, you're working for the Baltimore Ravens. So mm-hmm. what was it that made you want to get into coaching? Uh, when did you know that, okay, look, this is the track that I want to take next? And, mm-hmm. and, and how did that work? Just that leap, and maybe it wasn't a leap, but from graduating then two years later, uh, you're in the NFL. Well, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate. I had, a, I had a good senior season, um, as a punter at Kansas. Um, so I had dreams and aspirations like everybody else did of, of playing pro football, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was probably right on the a border of, of, of being good enough or not good enough. Ultimately I wasn't good enough. And, um, to make it in the NFL. So I did the next best thing, which is if I can't play is to try to coach and try to instruct somebody else on what to do or how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a couple of coaches along the way tell me that, you know, really what coaches are players who can't play anymore or who weren't good enough to play. 
mm. and which is it's probably about right, honestly. Um, so anyway, after I get done playing in Kansas, I, uh, I, I had a couple tryouts um, with a couple teams. I had a tryout in the in, the, in NFL Europe, um, and then as a, as a way for me to continue to train um, to punt. The, the easiest way for me to do that was also to be a graduate assistant. So I was a graduate assistant coach at Kansas okay. under Glenn Mason, the guy that I played for. And that was the easiest way for me. So I could, I was dabbling in coaching, but at the same time, I was still training to try to be able to play. And, uh, you know, I was, so I, I was a GA at Kansas there for the 1996 season uh, for coach Mason. He, he ultimately left and went to the university of Minnesota. Um, and he asked me to come with him. So I also went with him up to the University of Minnesota for the 97 season. Okay. Um, also, again, it was the same thing. It was a way for me to continue to train. It was a continue a way for me to go to graduate school and dabble in this coaching stuff too mm-hmm. and see if that's really what I wanted to do. Um, ultimately, like I, I mentioned earlier, I had an uncle uh, who was uh, who played and was a strength coach in the NFL at the time. He, he started off with the – New England Patriots, and then he was with the uh, Cleveland Browns. And ultimately, if you can remember, the Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. And so for uh, several summers leading into training camp or leading into my two-a-days in preparation for my season, I would go to Cleveland or I would go to Baltimore and help the, the Ravens or the Browns in training camp. And it was also a way for me to, to get – great training from an NFL special teams coach. So I established a relationship um, with the special teams coach here by a guy by the name of Scott Mm O'Brien. And then I had a decision to make at the end of that 97 season with the university of Minnesota, there was a job opportunity with the Ravens. Um, I could come to, I could go to Baltimore and be the assistant special teams coach and assist a strength and conditioning coach. So it was kind of a dual role position. Or I could continue to stay at Minnesota and be a GA there and continue to train to try to make it in the NFL as a punter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I better just I better take the sure thing here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's kind of how I got into the, to, to coaching and how I got an opportunity. It's really because of the, of the relationships that I built with the special teams coach. In addition to obviously my uncle kind of opened up that door, um, you know, for me way back, even starting in high school. Yeah. Um, by bringing me in there and, and having me help in training camp. So yeah, what was it? How my career got started. No, that's very interesting too. just, you know, one of the things that stood out to me with, with you talking here was just your, you know, this dual role, your training and your, you're kind of getting some experience. I'd read this book a number of years ago called halftime. And I like the uh, analogy of, the guy who wrote this, who wrote the book, he kind of talked about drilling for oil, right? Where you test to see, all right, is there something there? And I kind of went through the same thing. Um, I'm preaching now full time, but back in 2001, I was in pharmaceutical sales. I did that for about eight years, but I started, I started preaching, or at least I tried to looking back at some of those uh, sermons, they weren't the best, but I started doing that probably a few years before I made that actual decision. And so just listening to you, it kind of sounds like that same approach where you're giving yourself some options and this may be off subject a little bit, but I know you have a senior and I'm thinking a lot about college kids, um, thinking about some of ours at our congregation. Uh, Things are totally different now, right? Even with college. And do you have any advice or thoughts with, you know, with the, the challenges that we're currently facing, and just even how some of the college or seniors or college students, 
you know, what type of mindset they might be able to have or should have or flexibility, because when things don't always work out the way that you want, you know, being able to, to pivot and things like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's certainly, certainly doing it. And this one hits obviously certainly close to home with me, with my, my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel so bad for her not getting to experience things as a senior. Yeah. You know, she, she was a volleyball player. Um, she's, a, she's an athlete, too. Um, she's actually going to go on and, and play um, Division Two volleyball at, at IUP, which is uh, Indiana Uri- University of Pennsylvania. It's a little bit uh, northeast of Pittsburgh. So fortunately for her, she's going to get to do that. But she's missed out on her club season or her club volleyball season. That takes place really from November all the way through essentially for a senior the end of May. But for everybody, all, all underclassmen through the end of July. And, and I, I hate it for her that she's not going to get to uh, finish out her club season with her teammates, her friends. Um, you know, she's missing out on her, her prom as a senior. She's going to miss out on graduation as a senior. Um, you know, it's, it's unique. She just went, she, she graduates on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually just went about 10 minutes ago to pick up her, her cap and gown. And uh, but I, I really hate it that, that she's not going to get experience that with her friends. And so we, we've tried to find ways to, you know, it, it's still very difficult right now because of the uncertainty of being around people. And, um, you know, in, in a pretty populated area like we are uh, here in Cincinnati, it's actually been pretty good. I think that our governor um, has really been out in the forefront of this whole COVID-19 thing and and we had stay-at-home orders. You know, we were one of the first states that ain't going to lockdown. Yeah, I think it's probably helped. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but I, I uh, the difficult part I think is the uncertainty that these kids are facing uh, now. And are they going to be virtual in the fall? Are they going to go on campus in the fall? Are they mm-hmm. going to be actually be able to be around things? And I think that's going to be a developing thing. But I do know that one big part that we've we've tried to really be sensitive to what her mindset is and really be sensitive to what her needs are and be super positive with her because it's a yeah. obviously it's an it's an unprecedented uh, thing that we're all going through. It's a difficult time and it's certainly difficult for them missing out. Mm-hmm. And you you and I both remember what it was like to be a senior and how mm-hmm. you know, how rewarding that was to get to walk mm-hmm. across the stage and somebody hand you the diploma. And, yeah, they're not going to get experience that, and it just it, it crushes my gut, man. It hits me right in the heart that she's not going to get get that. So we're very sensitive to that. We're we're going to try to do things as, as a family. Um, she's going to try to do later on here in several weeks. A, a big group of her friends are going to have their own little graduation ceremony um, that they've kind of missed out on. But um, you know, I, I think it's just being super sensitive to what they. Uh, what their needs are and how they're feeling, what they're going through is, is yeah. you know, and the uncertainty of the fall is, is a, is a big deal. You know, she, she doesn't know, are they going to, are they going to have a volleyball season uh, in the fall this year? Are they going to push it back to the spring? Yeah. I think nobody knows that. And us just trying to be as positive as we can with her about preparing that right. everything's going to be the same. Yeah. And then we just, you just have to adjust if it's not, and just remember that everybody else is in the same boat that we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's, it's, it's unique for everyone. Yeah. I know. Um, and I have so many more questions that I know we're short on time, but you know, as a coach and you're coaching in the NFL. So every week I can only imagine the the pressure, uh, that you have. So I, I know that 
you work extremely hard. Uh, that's something that you had mentioned earlier. Um, how do you go about navigating, I guess, you know, the obstacles that come along? You know, you can have, I know some coaches will write out the first 15 plays for the game. And sometimes that, that can just go right up in the air, depending on what happens in a game. Uh, and I'm just kind of thinking, um, you know, how do you go about handling that pressure? You seem very calm now. You have a switch that turns on Sunday at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. Uh, walk, us, walk us through that with that kind of pressure, um, internalizing that pressure, pivoting, making those adjustments. I think there's some similarities, obviously, with what we're experiencing right now. You know, it's a, if, if you ask my players, I'm sure the players would say I'm, I'm very intense. <laughs> you know, whether it's on Sundays or whether it's on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, me, I, me, I don't think I, I don't think I am that way. I, I really try to, you know, people think I'm out of control on the sidelines. Um, you know, what, <laughs> but, but but I view it I view it as energy. I'm trying to create energy. Okay. And and I, I do it for a reason. I do it on purpose, you know, because I, I think our players feed off of that. Now I've got to be careful that I don't overdo it. Trust right. me, don't get me wrong. But I yeah. I, I do I, I do it because I think our players feed off of that. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that's very unique about what I do as a special teams coach is every play is fourth down. So I, I've got you've got one shot to do it and do it right. It's like a uh, again I go back to my mentor. He says you you could go. You're like a <laughs> Uh, as crazy as it sounds, but you're like a sniper. You know, you have one shot, and, it, and, it, and if you don't connect on that shot, then you're had. You know, somebody's going to find you. Mm-hmm. And so that one shot or that one play for us on, on special teams has to be the best thing it can possibly be. So all of our focus and energy has to go on one play. Mm-hmm. But then what's unique, I think, about, you know, dealing with pressure is um, regardless whether that play was successful or not, I've got to then focus on the next play mm-hmm. and, and then the play after that and the play after that. So then all my energy goes from, goes to the next play. Mm-hmm. All my focus goes to the next play. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, that that's always what I like about the NFL is and about what I do. I don't have time to worry about pressure. I don't think about pressure because I'm worried about getting our players prepared. Okay. And, and I think you feel that there's two types of pressure. In my mind, there's pressure that's felt and pressure that's applied. And uh, obviously we want to be the one that's applying the pressure. You know, you want to be the hammer and not the nail um, for lack of a better term. But I think confidence that you gain, I, I think you feel pressure when you're not prepared for something. Gotcha. We've all, we've all gone through, you know, in school when you go to a test and you know, when you haven't prepared well enough and you're getting ready to take that test, you're nervous. You're nervous because you don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's coming. You don't know how well you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, we've all been been a part of things or taken tests where we've studied our tails off, you know, for days or got ready for a final, and you can't wait to go take that test mm-hmm. because you know you're going to do good. Mm-hmm. That's how I think we have to. I have to approach. Or that's how I want to approach games as a coach. I can't okay. wait to get to the game because I know we're going to play well because yep. I've done everything I can do to uh, I possibly can within my power, every bit of energy I can to uh, prepare our players. Mm-hmm. And, and if I don't feel like I've prepared our players as well as I possibly can, I'm shortchanging not only the player, mm-hmm. I'm shortchanging the, the, the biggest thing, which is ultimately the team. When do you and, know, when do you know you're prepared? Is it just kind of a, a feeling? Is it, 
Is it, I know you had mentioned Wednesdays and Sundays, you know, that energy really comes out. Is it at a particular time or is it just after looking at, um, you know, you've done your work with the, the game film, you have a, a game plan and you just, you just know, is it, is it Saturday? Is it Sunday morning? You know, when do you, well, no, usually, do you well, usually it's, usually it's Monday about 10 o'clock <laughs> the, the, the day after the game when after I watch the video. Um, okay. No, because I, I, I still, um, you know, I, I think there's a difference between being nervous and being excited. Okay. And, you know, there, there's so much um, that we that goes into every single game that we play that I, I've always told myself that I'm going to be done coaching when they play the national anthem and the hair doesn't stand up on my arm. Mm. It's just every time they play the national anthem, it, 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 it's still the, the hair on my arm just stands straight up Yeah, because of the excitement. Mm-hmm. And I, I still get, I still get butterflies. I still get the same feeling before every kickoff. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> again, that's the unique thing about being a special teams coach is, you know, it's, it's like, You're up uh, first. yeah, well, that, that's, we, we have a little, uh, uh, insignia or emblem that we use and it's a spear yeah. and uh i think in special teams you're always the we're because we're the tip of the spear we're the we're always the first ones in you know mm-hmm. and so there's so many you know things that can be equated to the military i think in football and certainly in special teams but we're always the first one we're going to start the game or we're going to start the second half mm-hmm. and, and i still get equally as as uh uptight and nervous about each one of those plays when there are questions there do i have my guys prepared as well as i possibly can Mm-hmm. Um, I usually get a pretty good sense, uh, sense of that, um, before the game, you know, sometime before the game, about maybe noon, 1230, when I go talk to the other coach, the other special teams coach before the game, I can get a sense for him about how uptight or how nervous he is. Okay. And if I sense some anxiety with them, I know, I know we got them. <laughs> you know, I gotta, it makes me feel better that we got them. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, may not, that may not ultimately be the deal, but, you know, at least I'll have a, a couple of uh, hours there of, of calmness where I think, OK, maybe we got something. up. Yeah. No, in, in the end, I, I know we're prepared. Or it, it's it's uh, um, satisfying, if you want to call it that, or exhilarating to me when I watch the video mm-hmm. um, after the game on Monday mornings mm-hmm. and watch our players go execute exactly what we worked on or exactly how we thought the game was going to play out. If they can go do that, then I know um, that's the greatest sense of satisfaction I can get to know that our guys went out and they did what we set out to do. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what gives me the satisfaction of being a coach is, you know, yeah. trying to get these guys to do things they didn't think they could do. I started, I, I took a line from the NFL and I know other sports teams do it as well, but I call it uh, uh, watching the game film. So I try to do that with my sermons when I was, in pharmaceutical sales, they would record us uh, in the training facility, and that was that was at times kind of embarrassing. But there's something about getting that instant feedback. How do you take the emotion out of, you know, when you are watching the game film, and you know, just really focusing on okay, here's what we need to improve upon? Because a lot of people have a hard time getting feedback, uh, especially if it's negative feedback. So how do you how are you able to to get your players to see? Okay, look, let's take the emotion out of this and really drill down or focus upon what needs to be done or corrected? Well, it, it, I think in football, it's hard for me to take the emotion out because it's such an emotional game. It, it's a game of, I think what it is, though, it's a game of being able to control the emotion, control the highs and the lows. Because there, there are times when, when, you, when I want those peaks. What you try to eliminate is the lows. And, and so for me as a coach, I think the constant 
battle for me is to try to keep it on an even, you know, as close to an even keel as I can, but I, I certainly want to accentuate the highs. I, uh, uh, again, I think being a special teams coach, what's unique is, you know, we have 45 players, 46 players, excuse me, who play or who are what we call active on Sunday. Okay. So those are 46 different personalities that I have to, to deal with and learn to deal with, you know, a quarterback coach has one personality he has to deal with, or a tight end coach may have three guys he has to deal with on game. But me as a special teams coach, I deal with 46, yeah. 45. So I really don't have to mess with a quarterback, but I, I think being able to manage each guy's personality and what pushes his buttons or what triggers him. Some guys I can, some guys I can really get on. I, I can really get in their face, um, you know, try to motivate them that way. Um, and other guys, as we all know, have different personalities. If you if you get on them, they melt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned that uh, even in my my uh, whatever it is, my 17th year here, I guess. Um, as a coach, I learned that. With uh, I'll give you a quick example of a linebacker that we had. We drafted a linebacker from Texas in the third round, mm-hmm. and uh, we were preparing to play the Falcons, Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. This is in 2018, and uh, we started off on kickoff, and we practiced a certain play of their kickoff return probably eight times. And he was the key guy that he had to, uh, you know, if A does this and you do B. And I thought we had it down packed. And uh, and I thought he did certainly because we practiced it so much. It was a big play for him. And we, we go to the opening kickoff and they did exactly what we anticipated to do. And he did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. He did exactly the opposite thing. Mm. So, you know, it, it was just, I was floored that how can you make that mistake? Yeah. Well, ultimately, you know, it's it's my job, and the way that I view it as a coach is it's my job to get him to do it, and to get him to do it the right way. So obviously, I, I, I took it personally. I took, I, but I took it too far. I, I you know, I, I jumped in the middle of him, and I, and he didn't respond. I mean, he, mm-hmm. I, I got the, you know, the blank stare, like uh, he was scared, mm-hmm. and I scared him. And then uh, what I learned though is is. Uh, yeah. The next play, he went out there on the punt team, and he made a major mistake on the punt team too. Blocked the wrong guy on the punt team, caused us to get a punt blocked. So I learned, even though it was my 17th year, you think I already know this, but the but this kid was a rookie at the time. I didn't know I didn't know his personality well enough to know that I I can't treat him the same way that I may be able to treat the player next to him. I can't get in the middle of him. If I get in the middle of him, he freezes up. He got scared, and which now compounded him and make another mistake. Mm-hmm. So I, I think each person that you, you come across is different in, in how that you manage them or how that you coach them or how that you instruct them or how that you deal with them. Yeah. Um, whether it's on a, a coaching level or, or a personal level, I, yeah. I, I think it's uh, you have to know how to manage people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been really good. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, the 30 minutes has gone by fast. Um, but um uh, I want to just give you the last word here. Um, there's a uh, one last thought you'd like to give the audience. What might that be? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously going through a, a difficult time like we're all going through right now, uh, more importantly, not knowing what to expect. Um, it's, it's, it's very unique. I, I did tell our, our family here, my, I got a wife and three kids, as I said earlier, that I said, even though this time is uh, unprecedented about the uncertainty of it, I said, the one thing that we do have is we have each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, we are, trust me, it is never 
hopefully knock on wood, uh, it's never, we're never going to go through a time like this again, where we get to spend this much time together. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that uh, regardless of how much longer this lasts or whatever goes, I think the, the biggest deal is to enjoy the time that you have um, with your family mm-hmm. and hold them close, learn things, you know, about each other. Sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, <laughs> the, the dynamic <laughs> of trying to manage all that at once, trust me, with, especially when you got a, 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 a couple kids in high school who want to go do their <laughs> things. Uh, but I, it, it's, it's been really, really a blessing, uh, yeah. the, the, the time that we've been able to share and, and spend together and be able to take advantage of that um, would, would be the one you know, thing I'd like to leave with, is just how important family is and how important it is to, to cherish these times that uh, even though it's, it's, uh, we, we don't know how it's going to end up, but, but just enjoy the moment and, yeah. and cherish the moment and turn whatever it could be as a negative, try to turn it into a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for those words. I think that's the perfect way for us to end. And once again, I really appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to uh, watching the Bengals. I know this is going to be an exciting year for you all and uh, definitely checking you out on the sideline this year. I want to see that. I want to see that energy, man. So uh, thank you so much, coach, and take care. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the time. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, I had a great time being able to spend talking to Coach and learning a great deal. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And be sure to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog. If you're looking for some motivation, I believe you'll be able to find it there where I talk a lot about faith, family, fitness, and food. You'll also be able to find all of my podcast episodes there and more. And remember... I can do, and so can you.